This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everybody. The Hockey News Podcast is here broadcasting live from a hotel room in San Jose. We're at the San Jose Marriott, everybody. It's Matt Larkin here with Ken Campbell and Ryan Kennedy. We are in San Jose for the All-Star Weekend. We are pretty happy that we just escaped literally snow on the runway to now literally sunshine and no clouds and burritos. We ate outside. We did, and we were the only ones eating outside, which is so Canadian because I guess for people here it's cold. But for us, it was like, oh, this is warm. So we were. This was downright balmy. Yeah, yeah, it was balmy. Good word, Kenneth. Shout out to Iguana's Burrito Zilla. Yeah, that's right. That was that's what it was called, Burrito Zilla. Uh, And while we were sleeping, before we went to the airport, some big news happened. Peter Shirelli out as general manager of the Edmonton Oilers just about 24 hours after he signs goalie Miko Koskinen after 27 games as an Oiler, three years, 13 and a half million dollars. Four and a half million dollars a year, and I did I did the homework on it, and it's literally the most amount of money for the least amount of service time, the smallest sample size. He makes that disastrous deal, which we have later learned. I think it was Mark Spector who reported on Twitter, right? It was Shirelli that brokered that contract, and now he's out twenty four hours later. Yeah, well, okay, let's wait, but but like I don't think we can say it's a disastrous deal right now. It might turn out to be like if this guy's the next Dominic Hasek. This could be the deal of the century, right? And I'm, I'm not saying it's 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 a it's an ill-advised deal yes. at the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an ill-advised deal because my point is Koskinen could be lights out the rest of the year, and he's still going to be a four and a half million dollar goalie yeah. by the by season's end. He's not going to price himself higher than that. Mm. So there is nothing to gain by signing him. Yeah, now. You, you and there's a lot, yeah, for a sure. lot to lose yeah. by signing him now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. a lot to unpack, as people say. I think. That's an expression, sure. right? Let's unpack. Let's this. unpack, guys. Let's unpack. Actually, we yeah. we literally have to uh, have to unpack. We're in a hotel room. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Callback. Uh, that's not a callback. What am I? What am I doing? We just Jeez. started. Yeah, I'm just tired. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, but I guess the best place to start is what now. And even under the umbrella of what now is who is going to be the replacement for Peter Trelli? Do you guys believe in the idea of Keith Gretzky? Do you think that the Oilers have to get away from anybody who's associated with the yeah. old boys club and start mm. anew? Yeah, I mean, to me, Keith Gretzky, you know, it doesn't even matter how good he is or how bad he is. He might be the second coming of punt of, of, of Sam Pollock, but you cannot hire Wayne Gretzky's little brother to be a, the GM of the Edmonton Oilers right now because you would have a fan revolt. Um, you know, I mean, they this organization more than anything needs a fresh set of eyes. I mean, and that's what Shirelli was supposed to be, someone from outside the organization that wasn't one of the, you know, sort of oil, or Oilers old boys. Um, and it didn't work out, but this, this organization absolutely needs, um, you know, somebody with a fresh set of eyes from outside this organization, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to take this. Whoever it is better sign a long-term deal because they have got to be playing the long game here. It's not. We're not going to see these guys be a serious contender until the second half of Connor McDavid's contract, I think. Yeah, I almost feel like it's analogous to what Paul Fenton is facing in Minnesota, where... There's contracts that you just can't do anything about right now, like the way things are structured there. I mean, Minnesota's a lot better than Edmonton, but you know they're not efficiently built right now the, the way I'm sure they would like to be. But Paul Fenton knows that he can't fix it in half a year, and I think 
Ken, you're totally right. I mean, with Edmonton, it's going to be the same deal where you're going to hope you're going to have to hope that Seattle helps you out in the expansion draft by maybe taking Milan Lucic or something like that. But he's got a no move, so I mean, he'd have to. He'd wave have to that. agree to it. He'd have to wave it. Yeah. yeah it, what, but which I, I think he would, as a guy who's from the Vancouver area, it might be a nice little retirement for him. Man, but why, why would you though? Like, why would you? Because because you know, it's and, nice in Seattle, and you want to be the next. But, but people don't hate you. But you you get that for a re. You get that no move for a reason, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I, he got the no move before he played for the Oilers, right, so right, it might be right. a different no move clauses. They they get broken. See, We've to seen me, them. it's We've the, seen the, it happen. yeah. I mean, the whole Lucic thing is is just it just it's just a shit show, as far as I'm concerned. Because if you buy him out, you're facing a cap hit of I think of three point something, five point something. Four point something and five point something, and he's his cap number is what six something. Six, I yeah, mean, yeah. Six and a half? So like, yeah. it really doesn't even. It's, you know, it's buyout proof. It's yeah, a buyout proof contract. Yeah, you're really yeah. not. You're really not getting that much of a benefit by buying the guy out. But you may have to do it just to make that statement that you know we are moving on from this kind of player, yeah. and we know what this has done to our fan base, and we know that. You know, I mean, God love him. He's, he's, I'm, you know, he's trying. He's, yeah. he's, 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 you know, he wants to win. He wants to do all the right things, but the, you know, the body just isn't willing. And so, uh, or able, I mean, the body is, the mind is willing, but the body's not able. Yeah. And, and going back to the idea of going outside the organization, I, I agree. That's kind of the only way you go. I mean, Ron Hextall's out there, you know, Dean Lombardi has yeah. built a winner before Kelly McCrimmon, obviously, has had a fantastic start in the Vegas organization. It would also kind of help if you didn't have past GMs still with your organization. Right, right. I mean, we talk about the old boys club in Edmonton, and you'd think at some point, whether it's Bob Nicholson or Daryl Cates, whoever it is, looks around and says, what are the common denominators in our rot? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it's time for the Oilers, not even, so A, look away from the old boys club, B, look away from a retread GM and, and look at someone who hasn't really gotten the opportunity. And the name that comes to mind for me is Mark Hunter. Yeah. Because a big problem, I think, with the Oilers is, okay, yes, you don't swing and miss on Connor McDavid because he's Connor McDavid. But for the rest of the Oilers' prospect pipeline, it's been, I think, hit miss would be even generous. Yeah. Just, right? I mean, Jesse Pugliarvi's been, let's face it, a disaster so far relative to all the other players picked around him before and after in that 2016 draft class Uh, and I think Kylie Yamamoto too early to tell but if you just look at in general the Oilers farm system other than having McDavid and Drysaddle which are you know pretty tough picks to screw up I don't think it's a strong farm system and if there's one thing that Mark Hunter is known for being good at it's evaluating young talent and we were talking about it earlier today in the airport he's the guy who convinced the Leafs to take Mitch Marner when a lot of people including myself were calling for Noah Hanavan at the the time Uh, and I think that would be someone that could start, like you said, I like the, the, the word you use, Ryan, rot. And a different kind of thinker who views young players differently, evaluates young players differently, could sort of dig out the rot and start building something brand new. Yeah, they, I, I would say Edmonton has an okay system right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they got Evan Bouchard, Dmitry Samarukov, I think was a pretty nice value pick for them. You know, Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, like they've been able to pick up some guys that, can contribute, and some already have, some will be soon. But you're right, it's those top-end picks where you get a little leery, where it's like, ah, you can't really 
mess those up too often. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And the other question to me, there's so many questions. I feel like we can make in this entire podcast about the Oilers if we wanted to. When you look at the standings, the Oilers are still in the hunt for the wild card. They're one hot streak away from getting back into a playoff position in the West. So is there going to be any temptation to try and keep this team competitive to try and make the playoffs to make a win now trade or at least not a win now trade but maybe a hockey trade that brings in a piece that the Oilers need I don't whatever it is a right shot defenseman or a wing, a winger to help Connor McDavid there was a lot of talk of Matt Zuccarello for example being a rumored mm. rental and he's been so good this year right eh? well, we'll get to <laughs> what? him we'll get to him in the fantasy insider section stay tuned everybody okay. and you know what's kind of funny about that is I I bet there is that devil on Daryl Cates' shoulder saying, as long as we get in, anything can happen. And to an extent, it's like, well, you do have Connor McDavid, so anything is kind of possible. And do you want to waste a year of McDavid? Because yeah. I-, I did the research but before the season. I know, you don't want to, but uh, if you look at the other generational talents, Crosby, Gretzky, Lemieux, all their peak seasons came 22, 23 years old. Mm. McDavid's about to turn 22 years old. So he's getting close to his what will probably go back, at least statistically, not right. hockey-wise, but offense, let's say, yeah. will be his career peak. Well, there, there's, no, there's no question, and I mean, there is just no question, that the Edmonton Oilers have succeeded in furthering away the most productive years of, one, of what might want to be one of the greatest players to play the game. Yeah. I mean, and there is no other way of couching that or, or, or candy-coating it. They are frittering away the, the best years of, of one of the greatest talents we may have ever seen. Certainly a generational talent. Yep. And, you know, but, but that's not, to me, that's, I mean, the last thing you need is a quick fix here. Because now, mm. now you know, the vultures are going to circle. Yeah. They're going to circle. And they might say, yeah, we'll take, uh, you know, we'll take Jesse Pugliarvi off your hands. For uh, you know, for for uh, uh, you know, for pennies on the dollar, uh-huh. uh, and then what happens? Yes, he pulls you He goes somewhere else, and he's great. Yeah, you know? he pulls. He goes full Taylor Hall. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, look at look at the but look at even their goaltending. You know, I mean, Devin Dubnik goes to a decent team in Minnesota. What does he do? He's he's really really. Sean good. Burke in Arizona was the yeah. one to turn him around, but I know what you're saying. But the fact the that he was turned around. Is in, is in Winnipeg right now, and, and like he is lights out right now. <laughs> yeah, he's you practically know? unbeatable. I, I, <laughs> and Devin Dubnik is on the elevator of our hotel for All Star Weekend. Oh yeah, yes, big banner. Yes. Yeah, it's got yeah, a little yeah. big banner. Yeah, that's fair. And I think you guys are right. I'm just I'm just raising the idea because I think there will be some people that will posit the idea that that the Oilers should keep the foot on the gas and try and win now because they're close. I think you need to go backward to move forward if you're, if you're this team. And mm. it might mean, yes, sacrificing yeah. another year of McDavid, but it might be worth it. If you're really going for a cup and not just – you're not just playing to stay at the poker table. You're yeah, trying yeah. to win the tournament. Right. And and let's face it, the only reason why the Oilers are where they are and why they're in within striking distance of a playoff, I mean, that says a lot more about the Western Conference – the bottom part of the Western Conference than it does about, oh. and, the, and the Pacific Division in, in particular, uh, than it does about the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, this is, a, this is a friggin' turtle race. Yeah, St. Louis is not out of the race. Crazy. You know? Vancouver's not out of the race. Minnesota's not out of the race. Yeah. And, and they've all been just fumbling around in the dark for the last And Arizona, <laughs> Arizona surged into the race. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The only teams that are really out of Howard, it are like Connor LA Garland. and Chicago. Yeah, LA and Chicago, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Switching over to the East now, uh, a team that's been in the news a lot lately, but for different reasons than most of the season, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they're in quite a slump since the start of December, playing 
more or less 500 hockey. Their offense is drying up. Their power play is drying up. Austin Matthews has gone cold. A lot of their shooters have gone cold. Uh, and to me, it, it brings to mind an important question as we're getting close to the trade deadline. We've positioned the Leafs or thought of them as major contenders and probable buyers all season long. But is it time to redefine them? Is this team a Stanley Cup contender? Are they still one of the alpha dogs? Uh, and if they aren't, can they still get there with the right type of trade at the deadline? How do you guys define the Leafs right now? Um, I, I define them the way I define them at the beginning of the season. And I said at the beginning of the season that this team is, is going to suffer a cataclysmic uh, gut punch in the first round of the playoffs, and then they're going to have to figure out what they want to do. And I, and I still believe that's going to be the case, especially if they have to end up playing <laughs> the Boston Bruins again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is a team that uh, really – uh, has it's it's everything it was at the beginning of the year it's not now you know I mean they were so exciting they were so explosive now you watch their power play and it's like wow is that ever predictable stagnant with those guys with the guys they have and you watch that power play and you go yeah that's what's going to happen and that's why everybody's defending against it mm. you know I mean I, I I think the Leafs are still a bit away from it and uh, I believed that at the beginning of the season, and I continue to believe it now. I, I, think, they're, I think they're a contender. I don't think they're a legitimate contender. Mm. I, I'm a little more optimistic. I think that they, they obviously still need another defenseman, preferably a veteran one, uh, with some playoff experience to shore things up back there because that's obviously a deficiency. But I think if you're a Leaf fan, you look at this slump and say, I'm glad it's happening now. Mm-hmm. and not in March or April. I think this is a time where they can iron out the kinks. They can figure out what's not working. They can play some good teams and see how they stack up, see how they beat them. And if they can discover that right alchemy, then, I mean, they're almost inevitably playing the Bruins. I, you know, it, it might change, but it probably won't. Mm-hmm. They need to figure out how to beat the Bruins. And if they can lock down that top line, um, I, I think they have a pretty decent shot at it, given the talent they have up front as well. Yeah. But they have to be playing serious, not as fun as usual hockey. That's fair. And I said before the season started, and I still feel this way, that the Leafs need to behave like the 2009-2010 Chicago Blackhawks. Because that team was a rising contender. It realized it had... One season left before Taves and Kane's entry-level deals were done. Right. And then it, there was the explosion uh, in their salary cap, right? So they had one mm. window left where they knew they could be very aggressive. They signed Marion Hosa. They traded for John Madden. The Leafs signed John Tavares. They realized that there's this window right now because next year it's going to be salary cap hell. Let's face it. Kapanen, Janssen, Marner, Matthews, of course, right? This is the one window where they can afford to do something aggressive, go for broke, and I think they have a crucial window. So to me, this is the year where I think, and, and Dubas has sort of been implying that he's ready to do this as well, uh, but wade into the big trade waters, chase the big fish. If it means you know, trading Andreas Janssen and a first rounder and a prospect to get Alex Petrangelo, you do it. I think you have to take your shot yeah. because cap-wise right now, and even though I know, so Petrangelo has term left on his deal, but you worry about that in the summer. You take your shot because you have a chance with the right trade or two 
So let's say the Leafs, they get a Pietrangelo, and if they want to get tougher on the Wayne wings, Simmons Wayne Simmons. Yeah. 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 Those are two trades. The Leafs have enough Change, changes prospects. Changes your complexion picks. a lot. Yep. Changes yeah. your complexion a lot. And they're deep, just like the Winnipeg Jets. The Leafs and the Jets, to me, are structured similarly that they've accumulated so many picks and prospects. This is what those picks and prospects are for. Mm-hmm. Right. Their NHL roster is strong, so they can right. dip into that well. You can trade a Jeremy Bracco. You can trade well, a... Is it, yeah, but is it is it then... Are you looking at having to trade a Timothy Liljegren yes. or Erasmus Sandin, mm. or you I know, think I maybe because you may have to, you may have to step up at the deadline yep. and and yeah. and do that in order to get one of and those that's guys exactly. And you have to be prepared to do that. Yeah. Um, to me, Jeremy Bracco's not. I I don't. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a point of game guy in the American Hockey League right now. It's taken a, taken him a few years to do that. I I don't know that he's going to be a game changer. Well, it's only his second NHL year level. in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. Like, he's not a he's not a piece that you build a trade around. But if it's you know Andreas Johnson and a version, you have to throw in a prospect. Maybe he's the guy. He's part of a package, yeah. as yeah, an yeah. example, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, sticking with trade talk, uh, it's setting up to be an interesting deadline. I've been saying this a lot to anyone who will listen. I think Carolina and St. Louis are going to be the most interesting teams at the deadline because they're in the murky middle of buyer and seller. We don't know what they are yet, and we might not know for several weeks. But if either team, or both, if they become sellers, they have some great players to offer. Pietrangelo, Pareko, maybe Dougie Hamilton, Michael Furlan, etc., etc. Maybe Tarasenko. Maybe Tarasenko. Who knows, right? Uh, but right now, I'm curious what you guys think. Who are the sellers? Who are the teams we can trust? We know Ottawa, of course. Matt Duchesne, probably Ryan Dezingle, Mark Stone, I think he's going to stay. But Ottawa feels like the one team we know is a seller. But who else are you guys looking at right now as definite sellers? Well, I, I think the New York Rangers yeah. are a pretty yeah. obvious candidate. Mm-hmm. They basically telegraphed it before the season even began. Um, you know, Kevin Hayes, uh, I, I think they expect to get a pretty nice return from you know for him. Uh, they have a couple of other. I mean, we mentioned Zuccarello. Um, they have some veteran pieces up front that I think would be pretty enticing for teams that are going for it, that, that really want to kind of overload up front. And, I mean, this is the time for the Rangers. You know, they've, they've got some good young players coming up. It would be great to get them even more ice time and responsibility. And, you know, I, I'd even look at, like, you know, what could, what could Mark Stahl do in a reduced role, you know, on a contender? That might be something that a team would explore I don't know if he's like the first choice, but you know, if you if you fail on something else, maybe say like, well, you know, this is a guy that has quite a bit of experience and he can really take care of his own end. So I, I think the Rangers are a pretty good one. New Jersey's kind of interesting to me as well because you look at a guy like Brian Boyle, and it's like, man, that's the kind of guy that you really want to get at the deadline because Instantly good in the room. Yeah. Versatile guy. I was kind of joking to myself that, like, the Islanders should get Brian Boyle because, like, he wouldn't even have to move. And it's, yeah. and it's great for Brian Boyle because no matter what New York-based team he plays for, with New Jersey just being over the river, one's always good and one's always bad. So he can always just go between <laughs> those teams at the deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I think Buffalo is going to be a really interesting case study at the trade deadline. Um you know they're they're four points out now, but they're they're falling, and they are, you know they they have not been they they they've been trending downwards ever since uh, that ten game winning streak. They've been very very subpar, um, and to me, you know, if I'm the Buffalo Sabers at the trade deadline, particularly if it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs, 
they have got to know from from Jeff Skinner what his plans are. They have to know. They he has to be. They have to go to him and say, "Look, is there any chance we're going to resign you?" Um, and if they don't get some kind of assurance that he's going to want to come back, then you've got to use that chip. You've got yep. to deal that chip for sure. That's fair, and, and we'll get into Jeff Skinner more. There's a reader question about Skinner, so we'll we'll, we'll get deeper into that. Um, I think the Philadelphia Flyers are going to be pretty clear sellers as well. Especially, there's going to be a Wayne Simmons sweepstakes. It's pretty clear. Yes, I think he's the type of player because his skill set is so unique. Like he's one, he's a, still a mean guy in a throwback kind of way, but yeah. he can score. He can he's a great yeah. net front guy in the power play. I think somebody's going to overpay for Wayne Simmons. Like it's going to be a for a rental. I think you're going to see a team give a surprisingly tantalizing yeah. package. Michael Furland too. Michael Furland too. Very Michael and Furland I think too. similar same, player. Same kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They're uh, Tom Wilson insurance. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think I think Philly's going to be a very destitute man's Tom Wilson in both of those cases. Well, no, not, not in Simmons. Simmons's case. No, yeah, yeah, not in Simmons' case. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Wilson. I mean, Wayne I guess Simmons Wilson is scoring more. Tom Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Tom looks up to Wayne Simmons. That's right. Uh, True story. I, I also I think I think the LA Kings are a team to watch right now. There a lot of their contracts are complicated. Like Jeff Carter, is, is the team gonna want to trade for Jeff Carter when he's in his mid thirties almost, and he has multiple years left on his deal? I feel like maybe the Kings would have to eat salary. Yeah. But to me, I, I would predict Jake Muzzin's gonna get traded. He has really reasonable contract. Yeah. Only one year left after this one, I believe, and I think he's. $4 million. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think he's a $4 million cap hit. And he's having a very nice season as well. Uh, and I, I think he's just a versatile player who does a little bit of everything. He's not outstanding in any category. But I think that's a player you're going to see teams pursue. What about the Montreal sure. Canadiens? What do you think? Well, like, we know... Jordy Ben yeah. is, is playing as well as he's played maybe in his career. He's playing better For than sure. Jamie Ben. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Jamie he, Ben, he's, he's been very good, and he's got... Uh, he's he's got. I think he's. Does he have a year left at a million dollars? I think he's a UFA. Yeah. Okay. But in any event, you know, do they do they consider moving him? Because I don't think he's gonna. You know, I mean, I don't know that he's ever gonna play better than he's playing right now. I think there's sort of a wait and see, right? Because uh, uh, Bergevin, Mark Bergevin, already said that he's not above trading some veterans. But I think it's gonna be they're gonna wait probably almost two weeks out and see where they are. Yeah. If they're if they're in a good spot, maybe they don't. But. Uh, switching over to fantasy hockey insider time right now. A few pickups for you guys. One, we've already spoken about him, Matt Zuccarello. And I would target Zuccarello for a couple of reasons. One, because he's actually really hot right now. He's got 10 points in his past seven games. A switch has flicked and he's finally started scoring in bunches. But two, it's very likely he's going to get traded. And given his skill set, he's not getting traded to play on some team's checking line. He's going to get traded to a team that actually wants to use him in a top six role because that's sort of what he brings to the table. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be Edmonton, Connor McDavid's right winger, but you never know. It could be. Either way, though, I think he's going to get traded. He's going to land in a, a more favorable situation than he's in right now. And he might see more power play time. Who knows? But I think it's going to be conducive to an increase in his fantasy value. And he's available in most leagues, so you can scoop him up on spec. Uh, another pickup. I've mentioned him before, but Dylan Strom... The light is coming on for him as well. Seven points in his past four games. He's getting a lot of power play time with the Blackhawks. The opportunity is there because the Hawks, they're a pretty top-heavy team now. You're even seeing, seeing some Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane being stacked together on one line at times, which means the rest of the depth chart is pretty open, and we know Strom is getting the minutes, and I think he's starting to show signs of life in a team with a team that kind of seems to trust him maybe more than yeah. Arizona did. So he's, he's owned in only 8% of leagues. So 92% of leagues 
has Dylan Strom, a guy with seven points in his past four games, available to pick up. I would give him a shot. Uh, another one, this is kind of a shocking one, Darcy Kemper in Arizona. Uh, in January, 6-0-2 with a 9.28 save percentage. He's been a pretty big part of this resurgence, spelling anti Ranta, of course, was yeah. hurt. Yeah. Uh, and the minutes are there, and the team's playing well. So Kemper's a guy that, you know, a week from now he could go back in the tank and you drop him, but maybe you try to ride the streak and see if he becomes a late-season magic story, an Andrew Hammond type of situation. You just never know. So if you're desperate for a goaltender, I would pick up Darcy Kemper. Now it's time for Future Watch and Ryan. All right, so we're going to start off with the 2019 draft. Dylan Cousins, the big center from the Lethbridge Hurricanes, one of the captains at the CHL Top Prospects game this week. Um, this is a guy with just a lot of potential. Six foot three, 185 pounds, skates very well, 58 points through 45 games. He's winning his face-offs. He was excellent at the Helenka Gretzky Cup in the summer. Um, you know, Central Scouting had their mid-season rankings come out earlier this week. Obviously, Jack Hughes is number one amongst North American skaters. Um, but then it becomes a question of, okay, well, who's number two? Uh, you know, is it Kirby Doc? That's what they had. Or is it Dylan Cousins? So, you know, with the scouts I'm talking to, the overall draft order right now is Jack Hughes and Capo Caco, one, two, in that order. Um, but three, you know, I'm hearing Cousins over Doc right now because of, you know, the, the size and the, uh, the speed. So uh, definitely a player to watch there. As for drafted players, going back to Finland, staying on that World Junior tip, Alexi Heponiemi, who had a pretty decent tournament for the Finns. Uh, Florida Panthers prospect. Back in Finland this year, he had been in Swift Current uh, a couple of years for a couple of years. Um, always, a, you know, a, a slight kid. He's putting more weight on now. Very nifty scorer, you know, and, and actually protects the puck pretty well. Uh, it's it's tough to get off him. He's just he's got those quick sort of phone booth moves when he has the puck, and he's back in Finland playing a really nice role uh, for Karpatolu. And, you know, he, he's getting into that point-per-game territory. He's not quite there. I think he's got 27 and 32. But, you know, playing on the second line there. And uh, I think this, you know, it's a really good development move for him. It, it was really good for him to go back to Finland, play against men. I, I think it's, it's paid a lot of benefits. All right, good. Uh, switch it over to the magazine now. Uh, on newsstands, you'll find uh, an issue with Elias Pettersson, or now he, or his, he calls himself Elias Pettersson, whatever. Yeah, but we know, you know, the great it's Swedish rookie from Petter the Canucks. Schoen. Yes, Pettersson. <coughs> Excuse me. He's on the cover of the Hockey News right now. It's our rookie issue, and within the pages of that issue is a story I wrote on the Ottawa Senators. So I ventured out to Ottawa a few oh. weeks ago, and what I was very curious to see is how this group of young guys was developing and managing to produce so well with the backdrop of, let's face it, an endless sea of humiliations for the franchise, whether it's the Randy Lee situation, the Mike Hoffman and Eric Carlson both getting traded and their wives that the are... Uber the, the Uber thing. Uber, oh, yeah. it's it, over and over. Eugene Melnick's comments <laughs> threatening to relocate the team. It goes on and on and on and on. Uh, and it was very fascinating when I went to visit these kids. And we did a we did the interview in a kind of a fun way. So it was me in a room with uh, Matthew Kachuk or Brady Kachuk, sorry, Brady Kachuk, Colin White, Thomas Shabbat. So who's a sophomore, of course, not a rookie, and Max Lejoie. So it was sort of the Senators' kid brigade. 
Um, and I spoke to them all together. It was the senator's idea because young guys sometimes are, they're not as comfortable giving interviews, but, but the Sens thought, hey, maybe they're going to be more loose if they're all together. And it, was, it really was the case. It was really fun. They were all just constantly crapping on Colin White. He's, <laughs> he's the, the team's whipping boy for all jokes. Uh, and what was very fascinating is I actually spoke to Matt Duchesne the day before, and he, I asked him about how did he help the kids deal with all these scandals. And he said, we, we shielded them from it. We, we keep them focusing on hockey, and it's, like the, it's the veteran's job to deal with this kind of stuff. And Colin White said it too the next day, and he said that they're all really appreciative of it, that they've, they're sort of living in a bubble, and they're able to focus on hockey, and they're aware. And, but he said that when these issues come up, like the Uber scandal, they all dress it together in the room. Which, which he was a huge part <laughs> yes, of. of course. That's right. And they yeah. all talk about it together, yeah. and then they kind of move on. And it does seem like there's sort of a glimmer of hope and even Guy Boucher was pretty candid just talking about how he understands that the goal is not always to win games. It's, it's watching the players to see if they're developing. So it's a rebuild. And I came away pretty impressed. And Brady Kachuk, especially for a guy so young, youngest guy on the team, uh, was very mature beyond his years. And you can tell, and he even spoke about it, that not just the advice from his dad, but also from Matthew, who was a brand new NHLer with yeah. the, with the yeah. Keith Bloodline as well a couple years ago. He gave him good advice, too, on how to just be a studious pro um, and it was interesting, and, and I think it was fascinating to see whenever the kids, when I talked to them all, when they were stumped on a question, you saw everybody's necks slowly turned over to Thomas Shabbat because they were looking at him from approval, for okay. approval, and it was like, he's the veteran now. As a sophomore, but you could see he carried himself with a, a real confidence, and whenever they were kind of stuck on a question, didn't know what to say, he would take over and, and answer for them. Nice. And I thought, that's cool. He, he's clearly becoming a leader already. Yeah. Uh, so so you, can, you can check it out in the Hockey News. It's on newsstands right now if you want to learn more about the Senator's kids. Now it's Ken's turn to have the floor with a hot take. <laughs> that was a sizzling grill, uh, in yeah. case you didn't know. Um, yeah, okay. So the NHL and the NHLPA thinks everybody's stupid. <laughs> they just Elaborate. Think, oh, yeah? No. They, th- they, think, they think we're dumb enough to believe that the reason why there's not going to be a World Cup in 2020 is because they didn't have a, they don't feel like they have enough time to plan it. Seriously? Seriously, guys? Bueller. Like did, did 2020 just kind of creep up on you? Uh did you not see it coming? To me, I mean, come on. I mean, we know that this is a CBA related issue. We know that they don't want the they don't want the a repeat of 2004 when they Handed out the World Cup and then locked out the players four hours later, <laughs> um, literally. Yeah, yeah. And um, and to say that it's because they deemed that there wasn't enough time. Like, okay, well then then at the at, at the at the very least, it means that you don't care about this stuff enough to even meet early enough to start planning it so you can get it done properly on time. Say what you want about the IAHF. The, 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 I, the IAHF, they, you know, there's a lot you can say about the IAHF that's really uncomplimentary. But you know what? They have a world championship every year. Yeah. <laughs> they have an under-18 every year. They have, an, they have a women's world championship every year. They have the Olympics. They do it, you know, rain or shine, whatever. Every year they have their events. You know, this... This World Cup of Hockey, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. like the sort of sometimes invitational NHL and and NHLPA invitational. Like, I mean, se- seriously, how could anybody take this event even remotely seriously when this is how, you know, when this is how they're going to treat it? So, to me, the whole th- the, the the whole crux of it is is the next time the NHL 
anybody from the NHL tries to tell you they really actually care about international hockey and growing the game overseas, like, just laugh. Just, <laughs> just, just like, full-out belly laugh right right there and that because that's all, you know, I mean, it, it really is. Like, it's, it's, it, it's, it's sublime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a conspiracy theory as well that underneath it all um, – I wonder if there's a bit of revenge going on on the players' part because they're angry and they, I think the league lost a lot of goodwill by not giving them the Olympics. And they understand that the World Cup does put money in the NHL's pocket. It does give them revenue, unlike the Olympics. So I wonder if there's... I think the, for the players, I still think if they had to choose between the World Cup and Olympics, they're going to choose the Olympics. That matters oh, yeah. more to them. So I, I wonder if they dug their heels in to say, okay, fine, you can give us the Olympics. Well, we're not going to make concessions on this one. We're yeah. going to make it tough on you and say, no, no no Olympics, no World Cup. Uh, that, there's no news story saying that's the conversation that happened, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. kind of wonder if yeah. in these preliminary negotiations that was something the NHL quickly learned. Okay, the players are not budging on World Cup right. because they're mad about the Olympics. I don't know. But then that, that just goes back to my point that this is nothing more than a bargaining chip. Mm. You know, it's 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 not like if you're gonna if you're gonna put forth a facade that you know we care about international hockey, we want to grow the game globally, we want to do all those things, then really you're gonna have to kind of you know the rubber's gonna have to hit the road at some point, right? And you're gonna ha- like you could start by having a, a an international hockey calendar that. You can catch, you can rely on, yeah. and you know once it starts becoming what it is right now, then it is nothing more than a bargaining chip. That's fair. Yeah. Time for some reader questions. Uh, first, first before we get to the official questions, I want to give a shout out as a bonus to this Twitter handle is uh, L French Cheater Law French, and Law French in the middle of the game last night. La said, French. La French said, is it possible to fire GM mid-game? Who will be the Oilers GM after the exit of Shirelli? And then it happened. Yeah. So yeah. shout second, out to this. In the second period. Yeah. After yeah. the second period. Whoever La French is, you are uh, Nostradamus. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the real questions now. First one is from Brandon Gallardon, Flor- Florida Panthers fan 88. What's the surprise trade at the deadline that nobody will see coming? Uh, I'm going to say Vladimir Tarasenko. I, I, I don't... It's so hard to see it happening because he's so talented. But if the Blues decide that they need a totally different vibe for their team, and it kind of feels like they do, I'm not... I don't even think it's his fault necessarily. He's been a pretty good guy about being outspoken and taking ownership of this team. But if they wanted to really mix things up you could get a lot for Tarasenko yeah. he's had some really bad luck this year like he's yeah. Oh, yeah. had some epically bad luck he's actually yeah. getting better qual- like shot quality than, than he ever has in his career yeah. Uh, yeah so there you go maybe he just needs the the element of danger maybe he's like this is too easy yeah. and <laughs> and his um, his no trade clause kicks in this summer too right so, so this, if you're gonna do the it window. I don't think that would be a wise move by Doug uh, Armstrong Maybe yeah, I, I agree. That, I don't think that would be a good move. What if he got Connor McDavid in return? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. okay maybe, maybe not. Well, you're McDavid. We're, in we're talking about the Oilers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to me, I I I always sort of like go back to the tried and true stuff, and one of the tried and true things is that uh, Jim Rutherford's going to do something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jim Rutherford is going. You know, especially with his team, I mean, for a while they were awful. For another little while they were outstanding. And now they're 
kind of in that mix and they're you know they're in the playoffs right now um you know and I think he sees that this is a this is a team that needs to um that need that probably needs a bit of an upgrade in some areas and so I I could see I could see him you know going after a Matt Duchesne type of guy mm-hmm. um you know they they would have to rid themselves of Derek Broussard somehow um <laughs> I think you could find a buyer for Derek yeah. Broussard. Yeah. It's he's a rental, so you'd have to trade him to another playoff team. Right. But that's fine. Yeah. Trade yeah. him to the West yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think I think, you know, Jim Rutherford is the master of, you know, the, the, the big splash, the big trade, the you know, the, the, the one where he sticks his neck out and somehow it ends up working out for him. So I could see that happening. Yeah, yeah. the playoffs began today, Tampa Bay would play Pittsburgh. Ooh, can you imagine being Tampa Bay and like running away with the entire league and then facing Crosby and Malkin in the like, first oh, round? You'd be like, come like, on, this is our reward. Yeah. What? Yeah. Gross. Now, oh, jeez, yeah, that's they're not cool. even in our division. Yeah, for God's man, sakes. oh man, that's crazy. Uh, in terms of my surprise trade that no one sees coming, this is a tough one, but I, I'm gonna look to Nashville because again, I, I was gonna mention something about Panarin, but I guess people would see that coming. So. I'm going to say the surprise trade is Ely Tolvanen. And oh, the reason being, ah. I think the Predators are starting to get to the point. They're not at the precipice yet, but the Jets are tough, and the Jets had their number last year. And one of the reasons why the Jets had, had their it number, too, I had it this year, yeah, and, yeah. and I think the Jets had more size at forward and more star power. And I think the Preds, they understand that they're going to have to face the friggin' Jets in round two again, mm. probably, right? And they're going to need more star power at forward to do it. And I think because of that, I could see David Poyle deciding, you know what, i got to take a risk. Ely Tolvanen, he hasn't looked like an absolute slam dunk, can't miss prospect lately when given a chance on North American ice anyway. So maybe you find a team that's in rebuild mode and is willing to move a legit impact star. So, you know, I don't know if it would be Tarasenko because that's in the same division, but someone out there that yeah. is an impact forward. Uh, could You know, maybe you go for a Simmons or a Ferland, a big guy like that, but something big. And... David Poyle's never been afraid. He's kind of like the West, the West's answer yeah, to yeah, Jim yeah. Rutherford. Yeah, yeah. And he's always been a very active trade deadline GM. And I think Nashville, more than a lot of the other contenders, is starting to realize that its window is not closing, but like getting to its, I don't know, second half. Like Pecorine's getting creeping up into his mid-30s. And yeah. uh, Roman Yossi's contract's going to be up after next year, I believe, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think the Preds got to make sure they get deep in the playoffs again soon. Well, so I'm telling move. you, if I'm if I'm giving up something to the, to Nashville, and it's and it's a significant piece of my team, I'm wanting more than uh, Tolvin, and I'm I'm looking at directly at Kevin Fiala. Yeah, yeah that I think would, that's that fair. would be the guy. That would be the guy that I would be most. Maybe it has to be in. both, right? A like, guy, a guy who has probably underperformed. I think you could say to this point, but I think is a guy that is on an upward trajectory, and I think we're seeing that this year. He's getting better, and I think I think he's a guy that could really, you know, could really blossom in the next year or two. So that if I'm say giving up a, a Matt Duchesne or a Mark Stone or a, you know, a Ryan Dezingle or any combination of those guys, um, that's the kind of guy I'm looking for. Mark Stone would be a really nice addition to the Preds, eh? Oh yeah, because he's got great size, great two way play. Yeah, and yeah, I could see that would be a great put them over the top move. But again, with Ottawa, 
I, I think Stone is going to stay. He's going to be their captain next year. Yeah. But yeah. the question is, is there any scenario where Stone might be willing to go play for a few months then come back? I, it doesn't happen very often. No, and, and you know what? To me, that's just that's just too risky if you're the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. You you, you know, like, you, you want him to have the Stockholm Syndrome, right? <laughs> right? Like, you don't want him to be able to go out somewhere and see how great it is in a city where the team's really good nobody knows you and you can walk around downtown with your wife and kids and you don't have to worry about you know people recognizing you and you can go out for dinner and and you're in a great organization i, I don't think you want to expose mark stone to yeah, something yeah. like that because then he'll go yeah, yeah. they go let me go I'll just stay here but what about john tavares when they didn't expose him to that last year and then he still left so i like right, islanders right. fans might be like no no do it send it <laughs> yeah, take yeah. that risk and yeah, get, get some great stuff back yeah right that, yep. i think i think there's going to be a tavares effect where Whereas uh, if you get to you know February twentieth, for example, and Mark Stone doesn't have his contract extension yet, do you look at the Islanders last year and say, "Oh man, do we, can we risk losing Stone now? We don't have him signed by the deadline." And, and you can't, you know, I mean, they can say whatever they want, right? The checks in the mail and all those other things, right? I mean, they can. It's just like when a team says, "Oh yeah, you're going to play in our top six. <laughs> you know, Jimmy VC, you're going to play in our top six. You yeah. know, you're going to. We're going to give you this chance if you just only sign here as a college free agent. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, it's like, well, you know, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Things change. And a player can say, "Yeah, I want to stay," but until he actually signs that contract, and we saw it. I mean, Tavares, to his credit, never let anybody on last year. He never said, you know, he said my preference is to stay here, but he never. Led anybody no. to believe that, that, that it was a slam dunk that he was coming He was back. pretty, like, I was looking it up for a thing I was writing recently. Some of his quotes were pretty direct. Like, he was like, I, I'm, my goal is to stay here. I want to be an Islander for life. Like, not 100% guaranteeing, but, like, pretty strong words. My feeling about Jonathan, John Tavares it, all of last year was that he wasn't going to be back in Long Island and he wasn't going to be in Toronto. I was... Half right. You're fifty percent right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I thought there was no way he was coming to Toronto, but I didn't think there was any way he was staying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I but I I get your sentiment with the Mark Stone thing. Yeah. 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 Fair. Next question off the bar hockey. Uh, off the bar hockey says which team is the strongest, Tampa or Winnipeg? Those are our preseason cup finalists. And off the bar hockey says, keep it up, guys. You're awesome. All well, right. thanks for the compliment. Nice. Uh, I agree. We're awesome. Yeah. Yes. We're all right. Next, Next question. question. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which team is strongest, Tampa or Winnipeg? That's tough because Winnipeg was our Stanley Cup pick, but no team has been stronger than Tampa this season. In a seven game series, are you still willing to go Winnipeg and back up our own egos? Or do you feel like Tampa's got the edge? I think it's a coin flip. And, I don't know, head-to-head, for some reason I'm feeling Winnipeg. Me too. And I, and I just... It's not quantifiable. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just, when all things are equal, which they're kind of not, but but when all things are equal, you, you, you go with a bigger, heavier team that can, like, and they're not... And they're not slow. Heavy, not slow. They're not yeah. a big, heavy, slow team. They're yeah. a big, heavy Washington Capitals team. Right. Yeah. You know slow, they're mean? big and fast. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, they have everything so I, Tampa I, has. I think plus. I would still... I would still tilt towards the Winnipeg Jets, but that... Oh, my God. That would be a good series. <coughs> yeah. yeah. Because I think when it comes down to it, uh, you're not going to see, you know, Dan Girardi playing too much in the playoffs <laughs> for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you know they're gonna they're gonna they're probably they may very well pick up somebody mm-hmm. along the way like like you know I mean it's it'll be one of those deals that 
after the playoffs, everybody goes, wow, you know, like the Michael Kempney, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It'll be one of those kind of deals where they pick up a number three and moves everybody down one, and, yeah. and then they fortify their defense that way. But, I, I, yeah, oh, man, what a, like, I, I thought Winnipeg was going to be better this year than they've been. I thought they were going to be more consistent, and I thought they were going to kind of run away with it, but they haven't. Um, but still in the playoffs, though, boy, that's a that's a that's a tough out. They're so well rounded, yeah. and like you said, they have they they can match Tampa's speed, but they also have the size as the tiebreaker, which does remind me a lot of Washington. People say Washington didn't win because they were big; they won because they're they're fast and talented, and as a bonus, had the right. size, which yeah. Winnipeg does too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last question is from Zach, and. Zach asks, what happens for Buffalo with Jeff Skinner and what could his next contract look like? Well, Ken, you touched on the first part of that already, that it's, again, similar to Mark Stone. It, Skinner, to me, seems like a great fit to stay, but if he's not signed by the deadline, then do you want to risk losing him for nothing? Maybe you try to cash in that chip. At the same time... If you're, if you're, if you're going to make the playoffs, yeah, not maybe if you, you do. No, yeah. Maybe you do. Like, if, you're, if, you're, if you think you're going to get in, then maybe it's worth hanging on to Jeff Skinner yes, and saying, I think we're so. going to ride this out and see if this guy can win us around or, you know, maybe take us somewhere in the playoffs. Because you know what? I mean, that team owes that fan base uh, meaningful games at the end of the season and a playoff. And, yes. a play- and some yeah. playoffs. They're owed that. Pound for pound. There's two, there's, the best fan two. base in the NHL, in my opinion, uh, I would, is the I Buffalo would, Sabres. I would say I would counter and say if one or one A is the Philadelphia market as well. The reason why like I this say team Buffalo, has been brutal and they're getting ninety thousand and, and they're every still game. the TV ratings leader. Yeah, Buffalo, yeah, even when yeah. their team's not even the, the playoffs. playoffs. Oh, yeah, right. so that's shout right. out Buffalo, so, you guys rock. Yeah, so so I think if if you're close, uh, you you keep them because you just see how far you can go with them and and you you just take your chance. Uh, but if not, you've he's they've got to know, they've got to know if there's if they're any more than five points out of a playoff spot at the trade deadline, they got to know what Jeff. They got to know what Jeff Skinner's thinking, and if they don't, then he. They got. They've got to do something. Yeah, I. I think he's on. He's almost like a self rental. Yeah. In that situation, kind of like Panarin and Bobrovsky in Columbus, where you just say, "We're close. Let's do it." But I mean, if I'm looking at a Jeff Skinner contract at this point, I mean, he's he's not that old. I think you can no. go in the seven or eight year category and if you're Buffalo you can't offer him eight because he's your guy right now right, right. I can see like seven seven eight times seven yeah, I, I think seven, seven because because if, if Van Riemsdyk million yeah. yeah and based on the age and the fact that that Skinner is probably going to score 40 goals a season I think he can easily ask for seven and the cap's going up yeah. and the great thing for the Sabres is their cap situation is really nice they don't have any of their major scary RFAs this summer they have lots of cap space to play yeah. with yeah. if they wanted to overpay Skinner a little bit and offer him a seven and a half eight they can afford to do it yeah. and he's like you said Ryan he's still young enough that I don't think you're going to see him decline for several seasons and he's a very fast player and as, we, as we've seen I always go back to Patrick Marlowe who's almost 40 or is he 40 now 39, 40 but Fast guys don't age the same way as slow guys do. So Skinner, yeah. even if Skinner's 32, he's probably still going to be a pretty good player because he's going to have the wheels. So to me, Buffalo has the flexibility. They have the cap space. They see the chemistry with Eichel. Yeah. And I'd almost be getting aggressive if I were Jason Bodrell, just try and get it done and erase the tension. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just, just answer the question. You know, just answer that question now. Don't leave your 
fan base hanging. Don't leave it hanging over the franchise. Just, you know, get it done. Just do it. Yep. Just do it. All right. Well, speaking of just doing it, we have just done it. The podcast is now complete here in San Jose. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will be back soon. Thank you for listening, everybody.